This is the Simplified Wellness Podcast, episode number two. and welcome back to the podcast. Today we have my friend Ashton on the podcast. She is a nutritional therapy practitioner in Washington and we actually met each other um, when we were going to school through the Nutritional Therapy Association and we kind of bonded. We have a lot in common and um, it was just so fun to get to know each other and so I wanted to have her on the podcast today because she is a wealth of knowledge. She just started her new business and is thriving in that area. So welcome to the podcast, Ashton. That's me. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, welcome. So today we are going to talk all about digestion. I thought she would be the perfect person to talk to about this. Um, So we'll just kind of start out with gut health. So let's just start off why is it important to have a healthy gut? Why do you think it is, Ashton? Yeah, so the health of our gut really reflects the health of our whole body. Um, when you think about what the gut does for us and what the digestive system's role in our body is, it's its whole job is to break down and absorb all of the nutrients that we're taking in so that it can disperse those and use among all of the other systems in our body. So Every cell that makes up every tissue that makes up every organ and system depends on the body's digestive system to provide those nutrients that it needs to keep performing their own functions. Um, Hippocrates said it really well. He said that all disease begins in the gut. And I don't really think that that's too far off. I think that's really good. It's really true, too, because if you have an unhealthy gut, it can affect you in multiple ways than just just digestively too. It can affect your skin. It can affect your immune system, which we'll talk about all those things. But the health of your gut is important for really every aspect of your life, I would say. Yeah. I mean, when we talk about gut issues, I think leaky gut is so prominent today. And I think that everyone has some severity of leaky gut if they haven't done that work to do some healing just because it's caused by stress and the traditional diet that we're eating that's super high in refined sugar and processed flours and seed oils and all that nasty stuff that isn't really food at all causes that. Um, So when you have a leaky gut, I mean, you're not absorbing any of the nutrients and the things that you are trying to digest are causing inflammation from your immune system. So it's just a mecca of issues. So totally, totally. So if someone thinks that like if they're trying to improve their digestive system, what are some of the top foods you would say they should start or the most the top foods that cause inflammation? Yeah, um, I think when we think about gut health, we instantly go to food, but sometimes it doesn't even start with food. Um, one of the baseline things that I always talk to my clients about is like stress. So if you're experiencing any kind of stress, which we all have stress in our lives, right? It's just a basic part of life. Um, 
But when you're in that constant fight or flight sympathetic state, you're causing this chronic output of cortisol. And cortisol is great in the right amounts and in the right times of the day. But when you have this chronic output of cortisol, it brings inflammation to the gut. It brings inflammation systemically. Um, And then, so when you have yourself in this constant sympathetic state, digestion is a parasympathetic process. So it's the opposite. We cannot digest or digestion doesn't function in that stressed state constantly. Um, and so when it comes to the gut, chronic cortisol leads to inflammation and decreased stomach acid. And then there's a whole cascade of dysfunction from there. So I think stress is the number one thing that I would say, um, that can compromise gut health for sure. I'm glad you said that about stress, because I think that so often many of us try to, myself included, try to pin the blame on, oh, I'm eating this certain thing and it's causing this or I'm whatever. Try to take all these supplements to fix these certain issues we're having. When in reality, if we looked at our lifestyle, it could definitely be the fact, the reason as to why we're feeling that way. Like people who are diagnosed with um, IBS, which I don't know how I feel. I don't know how you feel, but I don't feel like that's a real diagnosis, but that's a whole different conversation. Um, But that can be caused by stress itself. I know that is the case for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, like I said, stress is so significant in our lives, whether it's like your inbox being full or a traffic jam in the morning, like we all experience stress in different levels and varying degrees. Um, But I think there's this connotation with like gut healing and just healing in general, especially if you have some sort of condition or like an autoimmune disease or something um, that you have to like buy all these powders and supplements and be influenced and have all these fancy things. But you know, sleep, stress, and movement are three things that you could add in and minimize in your life um, that could really help with all those aspects. And most of it's free, so. It's true. No, if you add those in, eventually you will crowd out the things that are causing stress in your life. Something has to go. So aside from stress, what are some other things that you believe that could contribute to a compromised digestive system? So I want to talk about gluten. And that's a really unpopular topic because I know a lot of people are so emotionally invested and tied to like cookies and sweets and refined flours and all of these I like to call them frankenfoods because they're not really foods. It's like this man-made lab-created food. Um, but gluten, even in non-celiacs or someone who doesn't even like see a reaction to gluten, multiple studies are showing now that gluten um, releases an enzyme called zonulin within your gut. And what zonulin does is it actually breaks down those tight junctions, which is just your stomach lining, essentially your gut lining and your small intestine. Um And what happens then is that creates leaky gut. So even in a non-celiac or someone who doesn't notice any reaction to gluten, it's still releasing this enzyme that's eating away at that gut lining. And what that does is 
you get these foreign particles of food, undigested food, toxins, bacteria, all of these things that are meant to stay in the gut and get further broken down are getting out into the bloodstream. And then they're going places that they're not supposed to go. And this puts the immune system on high alert, which the immune system and the gut are so intricately tied, um, which leads to chronic inflammation and stress in your body that shouldn't be there. So gluten is a huge compromise to our gut health. I'm really happy that you brought up gluten because I think that typically people think they only have to avoid gluten if they are celiac or if they have an intolerance to it, which is just not the case at all. I think I, I agree with you that I think to a certain degree, we all should be avoiding gluten because I like how you said Frankenfoods. That's, (laughs) that's a good, but it's true. I mean, that's like, that's not even a lot of those things aren't even real food, you know, once in a while, I think it's fine, but it'd be interesting to see how people would feel if you just took away gluten, you know, there's so many alternatives now. I mean, I went gluten-free eight years ago, um, due to some health issues and there were not as many options as there are now. And now there's just so like, you can find gluten-free food at Costco. You can find it at your local Safeway. I mean, there's just, there's so many options that I don't know why anyone has trouble with it. I mean, I do, I get it, but there's just a lot more options than when I first did this. Totally. No, I mean, as far as convenience, it's, it's much easier. Can it, I think for a lot of people, there's an emotional tie to it as well. And I totally, I totally can understand where that comes from, but I think once you cut it out and then when you, cause I've, when I cut it out and then tried to add it back in, it's very painful and you can definitely notice the difference. And I know my situation's a little bit different, but even in people, I was talking to someone at work the other day about how they cut out gluten just for weight loss, simply for weight loss. And when they ate something over the weekend, they, they're like a fried food over the weekend. They said they could, they had a hard time because it just, they could notice how terrible they felt while eating it. So, yeah. I mean, talk about weight loss. When I first went gluten-free eight years ago, I lost probably 30 pounds in like a four-month time period. And most of that was just inflammation. Like my body composition changed so much. And it's crazy what just cutting out those foods that are causing this chronic low-grade inflammation can do. Totally. No, same here. I lost, it was like almost immediate weight from that. And it wasn't like like all like, like weight I had to work hard to lose. It kind of just fell right off. So yeah, yeah. I think that brings us to food intolerances too. That's another thing that can really compromise our gut health. And that is so bio-individual to each person because like what works for you might not work for me and vice versa. So like different foods might react, might cause a reaction in one person and that food might be fine for another and the opposite. Um, and so when we're consistently taking in these foods that our body is intolerant to, it puts our body in this constant state of stress and stress is viewed the same in the body as regular stress, allergic stress. And so it thinks that it's under attack. So 
not only is this food intolerance damaging to our gut lining, but it's giving our immune system so much work that it never has a chance to calm down. And so it's like you're in this constant state of low-grade infection. And 80% of our immune system is in our gut. So that leaves like only 20% of your immune system to be working on other things. So if you get sick, you're much more likely to stay sick or catch whatever's going around if your body's already in this state of inflammation and stress. I'm really glad that you brought that up because I think that sometimes when we are sick or something, we want to have like comfort food. And it's interesting to realize like when we're eating those foods, like we're never going to fully heal if we're constantly intaking all this food that we may be intolerant to or unknowingly intolerant to as well. Because I think some people have food intolerances and they don't see a digestive reaction necessarily. And so they feel as if they can eat that food, but like there are other reactions they may be having and it's just not as prominent as maybe a a digestive reaction would be. And once they take it out, they realize, Oh, like my joints don't hurt anymore. Or, Oh, this like weird rash thing I used to have is gone or like eczema. a weight loss thing. Eczema. Yes. Eczema is huge. Yeah. Chronic sinus infections. I mean, there are so many hidden ailments that cause, you know, food sensitivities that cause things that you wouldn't even think of as a food sensitivity or an intolerance. Um, I know I had a friend growing up who was celiac and she was diagnosed with celiac and she had always had a sinus infection. She was just constantly stuffy. She had the headache, but she never had a digestive reaction. So she never thought about food. Um, but there can be so many things that it's are, true. are linked. So no, it's true. It's even like your skin. Like I know someone who had a pretty bad, uh, like they had pretty bad skin. And, um, as soon as they took out the foods they were intolerant to, like totally clear, no reactions, nothing. So I think if you are someone that is struggling with, you know, like we said, it could be headaches, eczema, like immune issues. So like you said, Ashton, like even like chronic sinus infections, or if you get sick quite often, there could be something you're eating that is causing inflammation in your body and you're totally unaware of it. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I want to kind of go forward and talk a little bit about probiotics because I think that that is quite a big debate with people right now as far as do we need them and if we do need them which ones do we take should we have the refrigerated kind or do they need to be shelf stable what do you think yeah so I don't recommend any one probiotic brand versus another. Um, I think to understand probiotics, you need to first address like what is the microbiome and like, what is that even? And we have this population of bacteria and yeast and microbes in and on us. And these microbes that we have living in and on us outnumber our own cells 10 to one. So that means we have 10 times as many microbes as we do our own cells. I think that's pretty amazing and pretty incredible when you think about what makes up our whole body. We're mostly bacteria. That's crazy to me. That is Um, crazy. 
And so our microbiome does a lot. I mean, it helps regulate immune function, metabolizes cholesterol, produces neurotransmitters, which lend themselves like mood, anxiety, depression, things like that. Um, and they actually create certain vitamins like B6 and amino acids and digest fibers for us. So there's quite a bit of new research right now linking the health of our microbiome to um, brain health. So things like Alzheimer's and dementia and autism spectrum disorder, ADHD, these can all be tied back to the map of our microbiome and our gut flora. So I think that's really interesting and super cool. That is. That's really interesting. Wow. Um, and then a lot of people don't know that there's actually two types of bacteria that we have in our gut. There's native or sometimes it's called residential. And then there's transient bacteria. Um, and then the native bacteria stay in the gut and those have to repopulate to stay healthy and in balance. So those are always there. Um, and then the transient ones pass through us and only stay in the gut for about three days. But while they're there, they kind of act as little housekeepers and they clean house and they make sure that the, the native gut bacteria are good and check in on them and then they're gone. So probiotic supplements and probiotic foods contain transient bacteria. So those are only there for three days at the most. Um, the native bacteria is kind of ignored. So when we think about taking probiotic supplements and probiotic foods, we're not actually feeding the native bacteria. Um, you need prebiotics for that. And that can be found in things like plantains and sweet potatoes, cooked and cooled white potatoes, um, anything with resistant starch like winter squash. Um, and you need both together to supplement and feed the bacteria that resides in our gut. So I think that's really important to, to think about. I'm glad that you brought up prebiotics because I think there's so much talk about probiotics and the importance of probiotics, but there's very little talk about prebiotics. And I like that you yeah. gave some clear examples that people can get those from because I know I hear about, oh, we need prebiotics in addition to probiotics, all this stuff, but no one tells you where do we get these prebiotics. So uh, mm -hmm. things like you said, sweet potatoes, um, cooled bananas. white potatoes, plantains. Did you say bananas? Green bananas, yeah, are a really big source of resistant starch, which is a prebiotic. Um, things like garlic and onions are really good sources of prebiotics. So, I mean, it can be as simple as eating a really quality raw fermented sauerkraut with a meal that has garlic and onions in it. Or putting a green banana in your, you know, raw grass-fed yogurt in the morning. Um, so, it can be that simple. Um, another thing to address with that, though, is that sometimes it's not as simple as killing the bad guys and then putting the bad guys in or putting back in the good guys. Um, you have to have a healthy environment for those to thrive. So if you have any sort of dysfunction, if you have low stomach acid, if you have some kind of um, candida overgrowth, or if you don't have enough vitamin K in your gut or something like that, like I think it's so important to work with a practitioner, a trusted practitioner to figure out what's going to work for you. Cause we're all so bio-individual and there's not one size fits all, especially for supplementation. So totally. Well, and something I want to talk a little bit about, cause it is cold and flu season and many people will be, well, hopefully not, but I, people get sick. And so 
people are um, typically when you get sick, you can be uh, prescribed antibiotics. And can you explain a little bit uh, about, or I can too, but like about what antibiotics do on a basic level to the digestive system? So there's a couple things, um, the antibiotics and just kind of prescriptions in general. I mean, NSAIDs can do the same thing, not as quite of a widespread level, but um, they're kind of still grouped in that same category when you look at gut healing. But antibiotics, um, they clear out all of the bacteria in your gut. So if you have, say you have um, some kind of bacterial infection and you're given an antibiotic and you're taking that for a couple days, um, even one dose is enough to wipe out like most of your good gut bacteria. And so it's really important after you take, if it is necessary for you to take an antibiotic, um, that you repopulate with good gut bacteria, you're eating your prebiotic foods, all that good stuff, so that you give your body a chance to repopulate all of those good gut bacteria. And then another thing that they do is just the actual antibiotic itself can cause leaky gut as well, not cause, but contribute um, to loosening up that lining in your gut. So. I think both of those points are really important. Totally. And it's important to remember too, like once you kind of tie it all back in, so let's say you take antibiotics, you wipe out all that good bacteria that you have in your gut because they wipe out the good and the bad. They wipe just everything out. And it's important to remember too that like you're, once you have no basically bacteria in your gut, if we're thinking of it that way, you're more likely to get sick again because you don't have that good bacteria to fight it off. And so um, supplementing, like Ashton said, with, you know, the prebiotic and probiotic foods and supplements if necessary is so important when taking antibiotics. And you also mentioned NSAIDs. And for people that don't know what that is, can you explain? Yeah, so NSAIDs are um, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, um, ibuprofen, Tylenol, naproxen sodium, Aleve, um, stuff like that is all NSAIDs. And that's a whole other topic on itself. Yeah. <laughs> but as far as gut health, those are those are pretty damaging and irritants. Right. And especially if you're taking them often. So, yeah. um, okay, we will. So I think that's pretty good for probiotics as far as how their importance. <laughs> but I think... We, I want to talk about kind of before, I want to talk about ways that we can support our gut. So what are some things that you would suggest someone, they're like, okay, I'm not going to take antibiotics anymore. <laughs> I want to try to focus on probiotic and prebiotic foods. So what are some ways that they can support their gut health? Yeah. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, I think there's this connotation that comes with any sort of healing that you need to throw a bunch of money at supplements and pills and powders. And it's just not true. I mean, there's a lot you can do. Um, we mentioned stress earlier, minimizing stress is really important. Um, so learning some stress management techniques I mean, meditation is really great A gratitude practice, yoga, any kind of exercise, um, breath work. There's some really great options out there for minimizing stress and that can do wonders for your gut health, even if you do nothing else. So 
And then another one, which is like the classic gut healing protocol. Um, I do recommend that you work with a practitioner on something like this. It's called the four R protocol. Um, I do this with my clients. It's remove, repair, re-inoculate and reintroduce. And it basically, you basically remove any stressors that you have to your gut. So this looks like gluten, grains, dairy, soy, processed and refined foods, alcohol, legumes, refined seed oils, things like that. Um, and then I also see like even a step further sometimes with people, like in my own healing, I had to remove nuts and seeds um, and coffee. I had to remove coffee and eggs. So some things might be an irritant that aren't on that list. Um, so just removing any of those irritants that are personal to you. Um, and then, like I, I said, NSAIDs are also a really big irritant. Um, and then repairing is that next step. And that's just healing and sealing that gut lining. So supplementing with, you know, the nutrients that your body needs for the digestive process. Um, bone broth is really healing to your gut lining. L-glutamine, um, pre and probiotics come in next where you re-inoculate. So you're just repopulating all of that good gut bacteria so that you have a healthy environment healthy microbiome um, that can fight off any infections and do its job down there. Um, and then finally is reintroduce. And this one's really personal. I didn't personally reintroduce gluten. I didn't feel the need since it's, in my opinion, not good for anyone. Um, and just one at a time gauging how these foods work for you and finding out if you have a reaction, if you don't, after you have um, made that gut environment healthy. That's good. I think that's really important. And I, like Ashton said, I think that is something that people should, you should work with someone before taking all those things out and reintroducing, because it can be really challenging process to try to figure out which foods are causing irritation and all that stuff. So make sure you are working with someone when you are doing that process. However, it can be really helpful. And I've done the same thing too and found out some interesting things that uh, were hurting my stomach. So I think it is very important to take all those things out and then add in and find what's really affecting us on a deeper level. Um, I find that too, if people just take like allergy tests, like these at home, um, allergy tests are really popular right now. Um, and they come back. I did one about six years ago and it came back with this huge list of like 50 foods that I was reacting to. And they were seemingly so random. Like there was no cohesiveness to what I was reacting to. It was like bananas and pineapple and just all these random foods. Um, and that really points to a leaky gut. Um, when you have any of these foods that this list of 50 foods that you're reacting to now, you need to look at the environment. Because at that point, it's not just about, I don't react well to grains, or I don't react well to dairy. It's all of these foods that are supposed to be healthy for you. Um, but if the environment's not good, if the digestive system is not functioning properly, then the most benign of foods is probably going to give you a reaction. So that just goes to show like working with a practitioner is going to be so important. I'm really happy you said that, that like, cause there we are, our bodies are made to be able to process natural foods. And I know there's foods that are, you know, like veg, certain vegetables that I can't have yeah. that I should, 
our body should be able to process certain vegetables and things like natural foods. And so uh, I like that you brought up that like the environment of our um, gut health is very important in that way. And if we don't have the right environment, we're not going to be able to process those foods regardless. Absolutely. Something I want to switch gears a little bit. Can our personal care products have an effect on our gut health? Absolutely. Um, I don't like to go into this one too much with clients at first because it can be so um, jarring or some people think that it's too woo-woo or it's too out there, but it's very real. I mean, when you look at all of the ingredients in our house cleaning products or in the products that we use on our skin every day or our sunscreen or lotions, our skin is our largest organ. And even going a step further, we have a microbiome that lives on our skin as well. I mean, if you think about what's sitting on your skin, if you put on a lotion that's got all of these parabens and artificial fragrances and phthalates in it, you're absorbing all of that. All of that is going straight through your skin into your bloodstream. And I mean, your blood supplies nutrients and um, everything for all of your cells and all of your systems and your digestive system. So who's to say that it's not causing any reaction or issue? Yeah. And that might not necessarily, and I just wanted to bring it up because it could be digestive, but it could also be causing an reduction um, a reaction otherwise too. It doesn't necessarily have to be digestive, but it definitely could be. And a lot of those things. So talking about cutting out gluten, there are gluten in a lot of personal care products like makeup and all those things. I know you and I both use beauty counter for a lot of stuff and they are a very clean yet I would say functional and high performing brand, um, and very safe to use, but some brands, There actually are some like um, makeup brands and maybe they're not as like clean as um, beauty counter are, but like they're starting to kind of come around and I think cut out some of those things because they're realizing that things are trending in that direction, which is nice. It's great. But anyways, we kind of went off topic, but I want to talk about that because I think it is important. And I think that sometimes, although it's not always digestive, things that we're putting on our body is just as important as what we're putting in our body as well. Yeah. I mean, to go back to that microbiome, it's just something that I'm so passionate about. Um, We, like I said, we have billions and billions of microbiomes and microbes living on our skin as well, not just inside our gut. They don't just stay there. Um, So when you're wiping out all of those good bacteria, you're also exposing yourself to all of the bad bacteria that we are It's just not a question. You will encounter those things. And that's our first line of defense for our immune system. So when you're clearing all of that out, you're clearing out your first line of defense. It's true. It's true. Okay. Well, we are about out of time. So we'll have to do a second episode sometime soon (laughs) because we could talk about this for hours. But I want to talk a little bit about your business. You just started your brand new nutritional therapy business. So tell people all about that, how they can find you, what you're specializing in, all the fun stuff. So like I mentioned, or Kelsey mentioned before, I am an NTP like Kelsey. Um, I have my own practice up in Washington, about 40 miles north of Seattle. And I 
love working with all kinds of people, but I love working with individuals who have been failed by the traditional medical community. You know, so often I spent many years myself chasing symptoms um, with the Western medical community. And when that failed, I really dove first into alternative options. Um, And that's really the only time that I started to see actual changes in my health. Um, I think there's so much wisdom to be found in more ancestral healthcare, like nutrition and Ayurveda and herbalism and Chinese medicine. And I want to make that the norm. Um, It's too common in our healthcare model right now to be in and out of a doctor's office in 15 minutes with a shrug and a prescription for something. So I hope to be a catalyst for change in that area for sure. And you can learn more about me and my story. I have a website, nourishingrootswellness.com. You can find me on Instagram at nourishing.roots.wellness if you'd like as well. Awesome. Yes, you guys should definitely check her out. Ashton is has so much knowledge and she is, I go to her for, I remember sitting next to her in class and I asked like a million questions because I feel like I know a lot, but she knows like 10 times more. So it's great. She knows a lot about everything health related. So definitely check her out. And if you're in her area, definitely go visit her and be one of her clients because she's very, very knowledgeable and helpful. So with, yeah, so with that, we will wrap this up, but thank you everyone for tuning in and thank you Ashton for coming on the podcast today. Yeah. Thanks for having me.